Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, the open world genre, a mainstay and staple of modern video games that lets you take more control of your experience than the tried and true linear progression system. Our ability to explore is only hampered by the enemies and mobs that litter the different regions and whether we're brave or high level enough to push through the chaos. While a majority of open-world games provide a rather enjoyable experience, there are some that seem to cross into the repetitive and frustrating. Save this outpost, and that outpost, and that outpost. Run materials from this person to this group and that group, and return with the money. Protect this set of travelers going this way and a group of adventurers going the other. A lot of open-world games follow the same moniker, and it seems some open-world games can't stop copying and pasting from each other. So what is the open-world genre like right now compared to Days of Yore? Well, let's talk about it in this week's Discuss, Open World Games, Fun at the Expense of Chores. My name is Travis Sherman, and as always, I am joined by Kyle Inman. Kyle, hello. Hello, what's up? Dude, Open World Games is what's up right now, because they're everywhere. They are, yeah, they've been everywhere for a while, and they are now in our lap to talk about this week. Everywhere for a while is right, and if you think about it, I mean, exploded onto the scene, especially in, like, uh, from publishers like Ubisoft, uh, even Square Enix has joined the fray with their own uh, open-world twist on, on some, you know, RPG franchises that would have typically been, you know, uh, a... Uh, linear experience prior so yeah like I, like name a couple of those square enix games though that you're talking about like i mean you think about uh for instance the uh what was it final fantasy 15 uh is a great example Ooh, um, that is a good example yeah yeah and what, what's really strange about that one is it started out as an open world experience but almost at the end like they couldn't quite finish it as the open world experience so they they returned to that linear experience because they didn't know what to do but you know that that that's not quite the uh quite the thing we're really talking about in this i mean it did suffer some of the same tropes but um i mean as far as like open world games i mean i i play a lot of open world games uh i i want to say one of the last ones would have technically been well it's a it's it's an rpg but mass effects kind of open world but we've also been playing borderlands 3 um i i've been working through far cry 5 for quite a while what have you been working through recently or have played recently oh god um, well we could technically consider halo infinite's campaign open world because you are kind of bound i mean there is the linear part of the story itself but you don't have to go off and do that immediately you can mm -hmm. do bits of the story and then you can jump into doing all the different side stuff that has you exploring around at least the the area you have there on um on the installation itself on the halo right besides that though at least as of late uh we've been playing a lot of raft which right. that is itself also an open world game and it does kind of tie into our intro there about repetitiveness. But and on on the uh, mm. other note, one that I didn't mention that I've been playing quite a lot lately is Ghostwire Tokyo, which for being in, you know, 
the open world of Tokyo. And granted, I, I do have to unlock areas to run around in. Does fall into a lot of those repetitive fetch quest tropes and stuff. But anyway. Um, well, I mean, the yeah. same thing goes like with us playing like Core Keeper previously, too, is because mm-hmm. that itself is, you know, it's like a mix of what we see in Stardew Valley and Terraria and Minecraft. But every world is procedurally generated, so not everybody's going to have the same experience, um, at least in the sense of what they're going to find immediately around them where they spawn. True. So that, that's one at least I can add. But no, as of late, I really haven't dove much. I guess, well, no, Borderlands 3. We played some of that as well, too, yeah. recently. Uh, the Borderlands series is definitely open world. So I mean, that's at least really as of late. I have not gotten myself up to the level yet to go buy Elden Ring. Like I, I'm really not good with Souls type games. And I don't know about Elden Ring either. It looks great. I know all the reviews have been great for it too. But it's not even the open world part that's keeping me away. It's just that I'm terrible at the reaction times and the dodging and the parrying and all that. I just want to go in and slash everybody to bits. Uh, well, you're not the only one. I, I, I have that same problem, especially going into the any Souls style game or any one that tries to mimic uh, Elden Ring. Of course, is um, baseline Souls Souls like series. So, um, mm-hmm. same company. Yeah, going into that one, I mean, you you really can't go in with that that hack and slash attitude. You have to be concise and planned out, and sometimes that that's just not the the realm I play in for games. So, <laughs> oh no, it always no, no, work no. out the best. That, that's my way too. I think part of it is just it's my years, you know, prior experience with things like Dynasty Warriors and. I feel like there's a little bit of a vibe with it, you know, it, not a lot. And I'm sure there's probably people who are going to hear this and be like, what's wrong with you? Dynasty Warriors and Elden Ring and and the, the Soulsborne games, all that. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, that's just my idea. I'm holding a sword. I have these abilities here. I'm going to go and just slash the hell out of everything, which yeah. is obviously wrong. Yeah, but, you're just uh, going to mess stuff up. Yeah. And that that's that because you're the hero. Exactly. And that's how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I am. I am making the wrong choices here in this one. But... That's it, at least for me, as of late on open world games. Uh, but I know you mentioned, of course, uh, you're still pushing through Far Cry. Talked about Raft. Talked about, um, of course, Halo Infinite as well, too. But what about you? On oh, no, you also said Ghostwire Tokyo as well. But was there anything else? Uh, other than Ghostwire, I mean, I like. Oh, I said, and you I, did just beat Mass Effect. Yeah, I did just beat Mass Effect. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, I I think most of my focus has really been on. Um, Ghostwire as of late, really and truly. Um, uh, prior to that, yeah, it's um, I've I've dabbled in Borderlands three. I can honestly say, though, I've never finished a Borderlands game. I I subjected myself to something in the first game that I shouldn't have, and it kind of ruined the experience for me. I was like three quarters of the way through the game, and hopped in a game with someone. It was like already through the end of the game and we were at the final section and he was just like dragging me through try going, oh, we're going to get you a bunch of levels. And it just made the game not fun to play anymore. But it it also it also kind of opened my eyes. That was the first time that I, I realized that it was happening in these open world games. You fall into the same... I don't know, trend of, of, of doing quests of, of doing, you know, 
fetch quests or, you know, I I, I got to go kill this person or I got to go grab these items and bring them back, so on and so forth. And it, it's it's like you're doing these medial tasks to to progress the story, but you you also you're passing through the same environment and nothing changes. You know, the, there's no enemy variety. You you run into, or if there's no enemy, you may not run into enemies at all. And it it makes the game boring. And I, I, I guess that's what really spawned this conversation was where, where our opinion lies with what they could do and where, you know, what 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 they're doing with that <laughs> hmm i don't know what are your thoughts so you know i've been that's what i was trying to think about here is that like i had a similar experience too with an open world game as well uh, i believe it was borderlands 2 is where I actually had the experience, not Borderlands mm-hmm. one, but it wasn't that they were all the way through to the very end of the game. Uh, they were still higher level, but they hadn't reached the end because of course, Borderlands two had really kind of changed the progression system. Um, I mean, I had a little bit of that experience, but again, because it didn't deal with the final boss or at least having to experience any of that stuff at the end, it didn't hit me that way though, but it definitely did make going through things just that much faster and missing out on some of like the the easter eggs and inside jokes because Mm -hmm. you didn't have a chance to go explore them you were basically just running through and as the person you're playing with was killing people it was just experience adding up you're picking up all these good guns even though you can't use them yet and either selling them or waiting till you get to that higher level to use them so that did kind of negate some of the experience but that was at least at that point in time i know that a lot of people especially want to get to those higher levels faster so they more likely than not, we'll partner up with people like that just to do it for the sake of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they're not really in it for the story. They're not in it for the little, the goofs and the gaffes and the, and the gags. They're in it just to get through it. Mm-hmm. So that might not be necessarily the demographic when it comes to open world games because they're just pushing through. They're more of the target really for your standard linear progression games anyway. The opposite of what an open world one is. Right. And uh, like one of the things I noticed, you... we we were talking about Ghostwire, and I've, I've been playing a yeah. lot of it. Um, yes, you have. I, I'm probably only about a third of the way through, to be honest, and I, I fall into this, like, I don't know, almost funk, and I do it with every open-world game. I do it a, a lot with, like, Far Cry games, where all of a sudden stuff starts popping up on the map, and it, it could be a fetch quest, it could be a collectible, it could be something, but it's like... Mm-hmm. You know, I almost start going in concentric circles and don't even realize I'm doing it to to go seek out these items, these quests. And, you know, just it's not even necessarily progressing the story, but completion, but or, or you know, or for completion, I should say. Um, but I, I, I've noticed it, too, that even even in this game, you're you're doing a lot of the same thing you um, one of the thing, one of the tasks that you you have, and it's all over the city because there's like a hundred and fifty thousand people that that are supposedly were trapped in the the area that you're in in Shibuya. But um, okay, 
that's 150,000 people that you have to rescue souls wise. Now, some of those souls are going to be, you know, collected in, you'll walk up and it looks like one person and it'll say 93 souls rescued. Maybe the next time it'll be 193. But, you know, it, it's one of those things that these are littered all over the city and it's not something that's necessary to do, but it does benefit you in ways. And I don't know. It, it's, it's also kind of meaningless. Why am I stuck doing that same task? You know, the, the, the same one that I have to do, you know, in far cry when I, you know, just have to go kill animals to get pelts to go sell you know, in order to get more ammo or a a better gun upgrade, you know, or, you know, s- same thing with uh, Ghost of Tsushima, you know, you have to go, you know, do this task to go get these items for this person. It happens with so many games. And it's fortunate that I, I'm really enthralled with World in, in Ghostwire Tokyo because, if it didn't have this really detailed world that that did all sorts of shifting things uh, because of the, the, the ghost-like events that are going on, I think it would have problems. But I think it, it almost falls into one of those those areas where it's on the verge of, of relying too much on those tropes, even though that some of the side quests and stuff do have really good stories or they're really neat you know, just snippets that may not have to do with the the main quest, but it's a cool little, like, tale on the side. Well, thinking on that a little bit, though, let's, because Ghostwire Tokyo being a more recent game that only came out within the last, what, month to two months now is when this dropped? Yeah, I think it's it's been longer than that. About a month old. Okay, I was going to say 2022 is already flying by so fast. It's just, it's it's hard to keep up with dates on when things came out. Um, what I'm curious though, thinking about it, especially like with the new one, where like with newer open world games, especially, is thinking back to the days of old with any games that were like that, at least in the sense of open world titles, or at least where people were trying to figure out where kind of the revolution was with mm-hmm. open world games, you know, and where we ended up getting to this point with a lot of that repetition. I mean, one of the mentions here, uh, looking at the Wikipedia article talking about open world games, the genre itself says that Grand Theft Auto 3 was kind of, it wasn't necessarily like the father of open world games, but it took an existing concept with what Grand Theft Auto had already been, which was, you know, over the top, you're, you're stealing cars, you're running away from the cops, you're, you're shooting and fighting, but now right. it flipped it around to being third person and gave more of that immersive experience on being in a city. You have people that are around you and you've got the police to deal with still. You've got main missions, side missions, all that. And you, like... With something like Grand Theft Auto 3 and even its its follow-up games, you know, Vice City and San Andreas, you don't have to complete every single thing you come across. You just have to complete the story stuff, you know, to be able to progress and get through there and then go back to everything else if you want to. You know, mm-hmm. as soon as you hit the end of the game, you don't have to just stop there and do that. There's other things to go and complete. And at that point in time, we weren't really living in a connected world where we could go and download an update for the game or at least expect some sort of content updates and things like that right? where it, it would, it would modify the experience at least in some form, unless it was like San Andreas with a hot coffee mod and they had to go and release 
a whole other version of the game that got rid of it. But that's that's not part of this discussion, really. It's just it's the way games are now being uh, provided and maybe some of that expectation on where more content ends up being, you know, uh, a necessity. So can you think like going back, like maybe say pre 2010s, perhaps because Grand Theft Auto, I think was Grand Theft Auto three was early to mid 2000s. So can you think of anything around like from that point in time forward on where some of this stuff kind of evolved into what we're seeing now? Well, I mean, you can see a little bit of it in, like, the first and second Assassin's Creed games would be a good example. I know Assassin's Creed 2 bleeds into, I I want to say, later on, maybe after the 2010 era. Um, but I, I want to say the first Assassin's Creed was still within that time. Um, and even just moving in between cities and stuff... It was there was really not a lot to do. Occasionally, you'd run into the the same, uh, or it it'd be the same type type of uh, mission where it'd be oh you need to defend this person from uh, an attack from what 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 were the uh, the bad guys the the in Assassin's Creed one or two or just in, 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 in general because yeah uh, it's been the Templars is what yeah, it's always Templars. been or Templars the, yeah, yeah the Templars so you yeah. you'd have a Templar attack or whatever on the road and you just have right. to defend a person but there wasn't anything to do in between villages and when you did get to villages what were your your two types of missions I mean you could go talk to a person and listen in on stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. fetch flags for them or um you could climb up towers and dive off towers after you you climbed up the highest point and did your eagle vision you opened up the map yeah right and i from there i mean that that was kind of a big I, I don't know, like a big break point for, for a lot of open world games. It was like, oh, these are things we have to do. You have to do a listen quest. You have to do, you know, a fetch quest. And you have to do a map expansion thing. That That's how you progress the game. And that, that doesn't necessarily have to always be that way. But it seems like that, that may have almost been the birth of that trope. Because... You figure, I, I want to say Borderlands came in around the same time. They didn't necessarily have that. They more fell into the, I, I, I don't know, they the way the map was set up, it wanted to be the RPG, you know? It wanted to be that open world RPG that had been around for for years with like EverQuest and so on and so forth. And it, it did that formula. You know, you had lower level stuff closer to your starting area and as you fur- went further out, the enemies went higher up, so you couldn't go further out unless you leveled up, you know, or you were crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, well, and that's been the same thing for a lot of the open world stuff anyway. I mean, a good example, let's go back to, like, Grand Theft Auto 3, where when you start out that game, granted, yes, it is open world where you can move around and do whatever you want, whether you're completing missions or just running over people, but you were limited, though, to that first island until you actually got to a certain mission, but you weren't necessarily prevented from going over to the other side. You could use cheats, you know, to make like the car uh, mm-hmm. fly. Like if you got enough speed and hit the right jump, you get it to actually float in the air and then get over there. But then you of course are stuck with a five star wanted level. Yeah. So or it was stupid, difficult. So, you know, yeah, the game exactly. Would change. I, I think a lot of games have done that stalker, uh, shutter, 
Shadow of Chernobyl, uh, an open world uh, first person shooter. It, it did that when you went into to a certain part of the map when you got too close to the prepriet. Um, if you didn't have the right armor set, it would actually turn your vision all blurry and black and white, and you couldn't see anything. You um, and your your character would basically be knocked out. Well, you could see the same thing too. Like if you like, if you really want to like stretch out what could potentially be an open world game, go and look at something like Ocarina of Time, where yeah. you could go into uh, you know, you could go into the uh, oh, what was it? Um, oh my God, what's the name of the mountain that the Gorons live on? Um, oh shoot, you know what I'm talking about though. It's like it's it's the actual like uh, fire dungeon in that you're in yeah, there, yeah, and you can go in. But you are required to have the red shirt, so that way you can uh, you don't take the fire damage, you don't take the burn damage. So it's like the the options there, but you have these other layers of difficulty. But I think in the sense though for for some of these games though at that point in time, that's why I made the comment about the internet connectivity part mm-hmm. and kind of where things sort of shifted from like one way to another is that. A lot of that stuff was like, well, you can go there, but you really need to do all these other things to be able to get to that point properly. It's not saying it's it's saying that you, you know, you can't go there right now. We're just saying that it's better to go about it this way. So it doesn't prevent people necessarily from not doing it. It just really ups that that difficulty. Like, you know, I, I know I'm talking about Ocarina of Time right now, but let's jump ahead 25, 30 years now about 25 with uh breath of the wild where you could go and do everything there, but there's nothing stopping you from uh, waking up as link, you know, in that cave and running straight to Hyrule castle to go take on Ganon. There's yeah. nothing stopping you to go and do that. And there have people, there are people who have gone and done it. Now you can't mm-hmm. go get the master sword. You are limited from going to get that until you have a certain number of hearts. But again, that's just part of that one. I know that jumps us into more modern titles, but I wanted to at least make, at least a, a a good clear example of that though, mm-hmm. um, but Assassin's Creed actually, you know, that's that's actually kind of a a good spot to think about. Is yeah, is that you are kind of locked down in doing these things by needing to do the uh the vision, the eagle vision, by getting up on top of the tower and and scouting everything out to open up the map and see what your challenges or missions are going to be, um. And that if you go way too far out, you might get yourself so far ahead, you're going to run into someone more difficult anyway, too. You're not right. limited necessarily, but they definitely did stack a lot on you. And that could be more of like the historical aspect because they're all based on real locations at real points in time. Obviously, of course, things are you know a little, little stretched. But at the end of it, it's really letting people kind of take in like this, these historical times and kind of exploring the the you know civilizations of yore mm-hmm. so but but even so it did really feel like it, you really hit the nail on the head with it that it did kind of set up the trope though about um really having more to do but what do you really think drove more of that was that just really the player retention was that more of the just like trying to uh justify having spent all the money in the game was it just the the level of detail that went in. I mean, you know, like where, where was it really at? You know, I, I, I think initially when you look at a game like Assassin's Creed, it, when they first did it in that first title, 
it was to try and create filler to 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 just extend the life of the game because they they wanted a game that was going to be 30 hours ish otherwise the game would have been technically about 5 hours and it would have been an a waste of the open world and they honestly did a lot of research if i remember right and i i i'm pretty sure i do uh going into the assassin the original assassin's creed title uh on researching the cultures the buildings so on and so forth so i can understand wanting to show off you know the 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 work they had done and you know the the care they had taken into researching the culture and the buildings and the art and so on oh, yeah. and so forth. But beyond that, it, it didn't necessarily progress the story. Like I said, if if they hadn't put all that stuff in, the story only would have been about maybe five to eight hours at best. Yeah, and I think, well, and, and like you're talking about the historical stuff and you know you are right it's like we need to get our money's worth out of this because we literally went to all of these different spots and and have like true like one for one representation for a lot of these things like a good example and it actually relates to um what was that 2020 or maybe even 2019 i can't remember exactly when but when uh Notre Dame burned down mm-hmm. uh no not Notre Dame uh um was it oh my god what's the cathedral in it's not Notre Dame is it which was the one yeah. that burned down in Paris, was it? Yeah. Was it really? Maybe it was. It was. Anyway, um, yeah, so the team at Ubisoft who had actually done all of the uh, actual work to get accurate um, details and scans and everything were able to take that data that they actually had from Notre Dame prior to, of course, the fire because their adventures in, in France were uh, many years prior to the actual fire anyway they are able to, to take that and actually provide it as um, reference for a lot of the restoration work they're having to do post fire so you know at least some of the, I, I wanted to make at least mention of that that you know right. some of that effort to the attention to detail has now been put to actual good use at least in the sense of recovering from that you know disaster but even getting, you know, not too far off track with that anyway, I just wanted to make a mention of that because sometimes that attention to detail does really help. But you do have to justify, of course, you know, turning that game and turning that time that you're spending into all these areas into something that is going to last exactly like longer than eight hours. Um, yeah. But. Well, I, and I, I, I guess uh, it, it makes you hmm. you kind of question the uh, the balance where. Oh yeah. Where where do you mediate fun and work? Uh because I mean in a sense you do have to kind of emulate work in real life. If you're trying to emulate a character, a character's not going to have fun all the time. In fact, most of what you're you're doing for that character is their job. So what can they emulate as work that still constitutes as fun and where does it become not fun anymore? Exactly. And, you know, I mean, y- you could look at other open world games like Elder Scrolls, for instance, or Fallout, and it's kind of complete opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, it- it's open world, but you can do so much that it- it's it's totally stupid, and you still have the same tasks, but maybe it's just because that that's how the world operates. You know, you do actually have to work to get by, you know, uh, but 
then you also have to deal with glitches. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that also seems to be kind of the the mainstay for those games anyway. The, the, that seems to be like what drives people in too is, is these goofy glitches where you have a giant come up and it's like, oh, I'm going to take this guy on, and he one-hits you, you're down, but your body ragdolls through the air up into space right. and then comes back down. It's those little experiences that sometimes do drive people in for open world games, but bigger ones like that are always going to have those bugs. And I think for all of us out there, I think I can speak safely for a lot of people in the gaming community who think that that's an Elder Scrolls game. That's just expected. Yeah. yeah. But but uh, but you are right though. Is that like with with the the different types of open world scenarios you can get into? I mean, even if we look at a lot of Bethesda titles, not even just Elder Scrolls, but the Fallout games that they've also created too, with Fallout New Vegas and Fallout 3, I mean, we can go even a little bit more recent, like with Fallout 4, we'll leave Fallout 76 alone right now, because that's an, an MMO, I guess. I'm still perplexed on the whole state of that one. But anyway, uh, there's still a lot there, though, that does really lean into the repetition, especially, and it does kind of turn that game into uh, I made mention of this when we did our battle Royale episode, uh, this last one uh, talking about, you know, uh, PUBG being a walking simulator. Those games can be the exact same way too. You know, you do have fast travel, but a lot of the time though, you do end up actually having to walk to go complete this mission to run, to go complete this mission. And it just becomes a blur as you're moving around and then does become mm -hmm. work. You know, for those of us who work a regular eight to five job Monday through Friday to just come home and sit down and do more work, that's not really the experience that I'd want to have. Although we are playing Raft right now, and that's been an experience all of itself. Yeah, I mean that that's like a totally different job in and of itself. I agree. I I get on, I fish, I I fight shark, I I dive, and you know you. You build on the boat and and Die chop by wood and yeah. <laughs> so no, it's that's it's all fair things to say there. Yeah, it, it's not it's it, to each their own, I suppose. When it comes to those different things, um, but I think maybe what changed a lot of open world stuff is not necessarily the lack of content per se, because I think at the point in time we were getting a lot of these games that can be classified as open world. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like if I, if I go into this list here again, the, this category of open world games for series, you know, Assassin's Creed, Borderlands, uh, Crackdown, we've got the Elder Scrolls and Fallout series. We've got Far Cry, Grand Theft Auto, uh, Just Cause is another good one as well. Um, Saints Row, you know, th there's a lot out there, but it feels like though, that the content itself, even with some of the repetition was balanced enough that it didn't feel as, uh, cumbersome. It didn't feel as overly repetitive, and it makes me wonder if really what changed a lot of the idea of what an open world game is supposed to be now is the online connectivity and the access to so many open world games at one time. Maybe. I don't know. Um, one, one that I keep thinking about, because um, you, you're talking about the repetition of, of the missions and stuff. Um, yeah. And... It it just it strikes a chord with me because it it didn't suffer from this at least not that I felt anyway was uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I mean it did in in its ways suffer, but in a lot of ways 
it was kind of ironic because a lot of the fetch quests and a lot of the, you know, just repetitive quests, they actually ended up tying directly into the story in some way. So it wasn't like it was totally pointless. You were kind of doing something that was similar to to what you would continuously do out throughout the game, but it changed in such a way that that it it made you go, oh wait, no, something's going on, you know. Maybe, I mean, hmm. No, I don't you know. There were wrong. just some missions in the game. Like I, I, I think about especially name a mission. Name a mission. Um, there, there's one. Uh, it's. I hate to say anything because I. You know, there, there's people that I'm sure still haven't played it, but um, towards the end of the game, you're doing missions for this old woman, and it kind of progresses the the story of you know part of your childhood um, and her being your caregiver, but then you know visiting back with her, and she still was technically working at the mansion, and she's trying to help you um, take back this this island, and she ends up giving you the poison. And it, it becomes a major plot point for the story because it, it all of a sudden the enemies have the poison too because of you. And, oh, well, now they know you're using poison, so they're going to use bad stuff. Um, yeah, it, it, it just... So it scales out and, and modifies the experience right, because of that adjustment. It, it seems like you're going to be doing the same old fetch quest for her, and it's a series of missions that ends up not only progressing the story, but kind of ending her story as well. And it, it just, it twists it and it, it just, they did it really well. They, it, they turned something that, that turned into a medial task and made it a main part of the story that, that just, it, it, it almost made it shine as a part of the game. Like some of the things in the game that you would think, wow, that was, that was just something you would normally do. It's like, wow, that that was a major plot point, and that that something major happened because you know, yeah, it's a heartfelt moment for your character, her passing, and it, it happens right before you know you try and go into a major battle. Hmm. Okay, I think that's I think that's fair. Is that. But it does kind of get into one of those interesting scenarios, though, with the conflict of of open world games and then hitting some of that linear progression where if you were just to go around running around doing maybe a couple story missions, but mostly just messing around on wherever you're at, is that you're not going to get necessarily that full experience unless you explore those yeah. uh, those plot points. Like, I and, think to like maybe it, it does fall a little bit more into the, the linear aspect of things, I guess, in, in, in that sense, because of that. Right. Well, I see like something like Just Cause 2 is a good example because that was one of the like when I got my first gaming PC, that was one mm-hmm. of the first games I picked up. And the fact, though, that it does have the repetition of you going from place to place, like you're going to destroy this communication tower, you're going to destroy this this satellite relay, you're going to destroy this fuel depot. But the fact that you could use a grappling hook and parachute to basically just get yourself around everywhere and go on the ridiculous side of blowing things up and 
it even includes like using your grappling hook to attach people to the back of a car as you are whizzing by and then you jump off that car and the car goes into a fuel depot and blows up and takes everybody else down with it. You know, it, it offers that level of modifier and mm-hmm. that, that's what I appreciate about it. And it's a game that I really should probably download and play again. But maybe that's just one one thing is that um, and we could take a break on this and come back and talk about it is that um, some of that experience in games some of that that uniqueness that comes with open world has kind of been almost like pushed aside to a point just to fill in with those repetitive tasks for xp and unlocks you know maybe and you know i i almost feel like with just cause like especially you said just cause too you could almost progress through that game just by playing the story and not have to worry about x set or extra xp and you would have just been fine but going and doing the extra stuff um yes it's like extra fetch quests and stuff but it's not there for for people that that want to to do anything you know that that it's not for the people that are trying to get extra story i guess is what i'm trying to say exactly. in just cause 2 it, it's like it's there for the people that want to just have fun with the sandbox aspect of the game granted some of it's necessary but to the level i'm sure that you enjoyed it and i enjoyed it in that game flying you know planes with uh barrels fuel barrels into you know giant giant pain statues and or you know having pedestrians drive their their vehicle to to pull down a pain statue oh yeah I, I I just had so much fun or or taking down the bases in in the most ridiculous ways. Like that stuff's not necessary. Y- you have to do some of it for the game because you have to do it to to progress one portion. I think you have to capture like two bases max. Mm-hmm. But beyond yeah, yeah, that, yeah. it's like you didn't really need to. It's there for the people that really wanted to just screw around. Well, it's the fact though too that it was so like it was so good just with the sandbox and screwing around that a uh, fan of the game actually made their own multiplayer version of just cause two where you could actually hop in and cause the exact same chaos with other people and just, just play in that mod. It was fantastic. I don't know if it's supported anymore or not, but it was, that was a great thing to have, but uh, maybe that's where we do take our break though right now. And we can come back and talk about it a little bit. Cause I want to, really kind of explore like what we're seeing now, especially because you've talked about Ghostwire Tokyo. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, let's go ahead and take our break then. And uh, when we come back, we're going to start talking about more of the uh, modern open world games. And we're back everybody. So last there before the break, we were talking about uh, how we were feeling, of course, with some of the open world games of yore. And now we're going to kind of turn our attention to, more of the recent open world games probably looking like i don't know what do you think maybe the last five or six years you know half decade yeah. maybe yeah i mean five five or six years gives us plenty of time to actually look at uh open world games uh, uh all things considered especially with with the uh common trend of uh ubisoft in particular you know they they have a lot of open world licenses um they really do yeah i mean i think assassin's creed's ubisoft isn't it 
Uh, yeah. yeah, Assassin's Creed is Ubisoft. Asa- Assassin's Creed, Just Cause, if I believe, is Ubisoft. Ooh, uh, no. Uh, oh, no? I, actually, I think Just Cause is actually, um, I think it's uh, Square. I think it's Square oh. Enix. Let me see here. I, I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now just to make sure. Yeah, uh, Avalanche Studios is the dev, oh, and the publisher right, is right. Square Enix. Yeah. But, oh, man. Uh, they do have the uh, Tom Clancy, uh, Breakpoint, and uh, Wildlands series. Then those are both open world games. So yeah, the more recent um, Ghost Recon games, and then of course we go back. Like you know, I said five six years. We've also got like um, I know this isn't Ubisoft. I I can't remember who actually published this, um, but uh, No Man's Sky. We've no got Man's Sky. Um, Hello Games was that one. Yeah, Hello Games was the dev, but who was the publisher for it though? Um, I don't think it was a big uh, publisher. I don't think it was like EA, but I think it was Hello Games. I think they they pl- uh, did they self publish their own. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I mean, those are just a couple examples, but we've had plenty of other open world games too. I mean, hell, Battle Royale games themselves have really kind of become you know they are open, open world, world games in the sense that yeah. you know you do end up having walls and limitations. What with your blue zones or your your rings or your storms or whatever you want to call them. But Mm -hmm. they are. I mean, you've got eight kilometer by eight kilometer areas to go and explore and find weapons in and kill each other in. So there's that. There's the free to play aspect for things, not only with some Battle Royale games, but also like Genshin Impact is a good example um, of an open world free to play game. That's that's one of those interesting things, though, like listing stuff off here. I know we said like No Man's Sky and that that whole development process from it being shown off to then being released in 2016 and then all Mm -hmm. the chaos it went through to basically have a reawakening uh, several years ago to the point that we're at now, you know, that that's just a, a chaotic situation anyway to go through, but, Oh, definitely. But there's that. And even thinking on it too, the procedural generation that really started to evolve, especially with the success of things like Minecraft, for example, and then mm-hmm. being adapted into Terraria and Stardew Valley. And um, God, I mean, I guess if you really want to say it, you could even say Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Switch is is in one almost facet or another. You know, you do have some limitation, but it, it kind of, you know. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. <laughs> I know, and I, I'm rattling off names here because, you know, we're kind of talking about where we're at with with open world games. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just like I said there in the intro is that it does feel like a lot of the different games are kind of copying and pasting from each other. They are, um, there's some originality out there to a point, but a lot of these games follow the same motif. I mean... If we well if shoot we... even even um I, I I would go so far as to say because the the genre there there's only so much you can do with it in a sense even games like Horizon Zero Dawn where it's an open world game it's you're in a post apocalyptic like almost post apocalyptic re prehistoric age where you're you're combating dinosaurs as cave uh robotic dinosaurs as cave people you know uh it still has you know your common fetch quests or you know your your conquest quests um but it 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 comes down to how it progresses the story and and what what does it do to benefit the story i think 
you know. No, that's that is actually a very fair argument to, you know, or at least a fair area to start looking at though about how it does actually uh how the world of progression really does look in open world games now because mm-hmm. you are right is is we have a lot of open world games that are out there. I mean, I listed off and rattled off quite a few. Um but you have only so many open world games that do actually offer um you know that level of experience like you're talking about with like Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Forbidden West um that it is sort of in it, it is sort of enriching. I think that's the word I want to use here. Mm-hmm. Um and that it does actually evolve and grow even if you are going into the open world there it's just as it was with days past with um you know being able to go and do your side missions, do your stuff, but the world is so alive and so vibrant and that could be the same said for several other open world games too that it doesn't feel as or at least doesn't seem as busy in the sense of just providing you just general busy work just to log in and get these things done and then okay maybe you'll do a story mission it's like oh well i'm tired from doing all of the repetitive stuff now i'm just not going to play anymore it doesn't seem like you really get that experience with the horizon games and i'm sure that there's others that have been released as of late though too that definitely fit the bill you know, at least fit that category. Oh yeah, I and you know, I we we talked about Ghostwire, and I, I'll I'll touch back on it. Um, like it, it seems like there there's a good chunk of that game where it does rely on the busy work because that's where some of your uh, a chunk of your money comes from. It's not necessary, but if you want to progress the the game in an easier fashion or gain more power, I guess. Um, you almost have to gather at least a good chunk of souls. So you're going to spend time trying to find these things or at, at, at the best you're like, oh, well, that's obnoxious that these things are just clouding my vision and I have to use this um, secondary vision all the time for my mission objectives anyway that mm-hmm. I'll just get it out of the way. Um, But I, I, I don't know, like... I, f- I feel like in Horizon, though, it, it, it sometimes suffered from, from those quests. It's been a while since I played that one, but the, the, there were there were some quests where it was just like, why, why am I doing this? Or why, why am I even, you know, going to this location? Like, what's and, the value of you actually doing that compared to right. anything else you could be doing? Right. But, I mean, in comparison to a game like Assassin's Creed uh, 3... Um, where where you were playing as Connor? Um, I look at a game like that where the open world you were out in the forest and there was literally nothing to do. You, I mean, I think there was maybe one hunting quest and a couple quests you did, uh, but other than that, it was it was a traversal point that became pointless, honestly. Um, to to the game and coming from there, yes, I think we've grown in open worlds. But do we need all the extra fluff when really filling out the world with with just environmental things to do could be enough? I, you know, I I, I don't know where the lo- line needs to be drawn, and I I think we're getting to a point with uh, tech, you know, especially the looking at cyberpunk. You know, they they they've come oh, a long God. way with that game. They've come a long way with that game. Yeah, I know. I I shouldn't I I shouldn't necessarily jump wholehearted into that one, but in comparison to where you know they had 
they had said they were going to be uh, with initial trailers and, mm-hmm. you know, density of population. And, you know, where where it's come to where they are now with the game fixed and the, the crowds actually reacting when you, you do have crowds on the screen. I mean, the the open worlds in games like that have come a long way. Um, you don't have to do a lot of the environmental stuff, but I, I think that game in particular, the way the uh, quests interact with the main quest um do definitely enrich the story yeah and i i think that's where we've really kind of like hit the you know hit at least the the better part of where open world games have gotten is that the the processing and compute power that we now have at our hands compared to the days of grand theft auto 3 and super mario 64 and half-life and 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 everything else because half-life could technically be an open world game if you look at some of the things you go back and forth and do but i'm not saying it is one i'm just saying though is that the level of compute power that we do have in our hands now is so much more that we Mm -hmm. are able to oh you know experience these things at a detail we never thought possible back when we were playing games on the original xbox or playstation 2 you know it's like oh man these these things look great and now it's like we're getting the same level of quality that we'd expect to see you know like in a in a pixar movie you know and it's all open world it's breathing it's living to an extent obviously that a computer can live and breathe but sometimes though is that sometimes that can actually be the downfall is to much promised and the attempt to deliver ends up being a a massive wash like a good example again Mm -hmm. is is if we look at cyberpunk 2077 and how botched that delivery was when that launched at the end of uh what was that it was at the end of 2020 when that one dropped i think Uh, i think so yeah 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 you you look at when that one dropped and i know i mentioned no man's sky but that was one where the trailer promised all these different things. The game dropped and it's like, what? And of course they had, yeah. Yeah. And they had their, right. And they had their moment though. They basically, they basically had their rebirth moment in the last um, couple of years where the game has actually become what people were shown back in 2015, 2016, you know, it, it finally got that. And that's great, but not everything is still that way. A lot of these open world games really suffer more from the the excess. They suffer from the 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 monotony. And mm-hmm. Cyberpunk is a good example where it's like, oh, you want all these features, you want all these great things to happen, you want all these things to do, and they didn't even do their due diligence to properly test it, and the game was broken day one. Yeah. Um, Or you have these games that are free to play, which are really there to not only get you to try to pay money because they are free to play. Here, pay us a buck and we'll let you unlock this character. Pay us five bucks and we'll let you unlock this special character. Pay us ten bucks and you get all these these XP bonuses that'll last you 30 days or whatever, you know? It's it's become more of a, a data mining effort as well as a quick cash grab to just really get people to spend a lot of money and it's been successful in some way or another it's been successful Mm -hmm. and that's just what it really feels like a lot of open world stuff has become is that it's not truly about the experience anymore there are some that are i think infinite did an all right job for its first like 
open world, you know, game in the Halo universe. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, like we just talked about Horizon. Um, Cyberpunk has finally gotten better, though, too. I know, of course, Elden Ring dropped earlier this year, just like you did, said with Ghostwire Tokyo as well. Um, so there is stuff out there that does have that experience. But with a lot of that copying and pasting and a lot of just the sign in, get your get your dailies done and then be on your way, it's just data mining and and just a quick cash grab being especially in that free to play environment. Yeah, and I I mean, w- once I mean, if you I'm start, wrong, tell uh, me I'm wrong. I I mean, once you start going into like the uh free to play stuff with the Genshin and, you know, some of that, it it definitely does. I feel like um you you're almost logging in to do that that same or those same five quests um every day. I mean, it can almost be said about the the, the same thing about Call of Duty Modern Warfare or any other um uh shooter like that 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 uh the 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 uh battle, battle royale passes? style yeah uh with with your battle passes yeah um you know you're you're getting on to do the same you know five missions over and over again you know headshot this you know so many times or you know get get a kill at this this location or you know from from this high up or you know from this far out it 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 becomes the same repetitive thing over and over to hit that that certain thing and it it's doing nothing really to advance the the gameplay or the story of the the actual game it just it's medial just money mining at that point for yeah. the, for those ones yeah and and going back to like Minecraft as well is that after Minecraft really got like I mean Minecraft was really successful in its alpha and beta form and then you know it hit it hit 1.0 and mm-hmm. did and has done well it's the best selling game of all time um yeah. you know and needless to say I have like under my email addresses I've got at least oh god eight copies registered to it now so I mean it's definitely done well but after Minecraft really hit its like really hit that sweet spot for a successful model with procedural generation, with mining, with crafting, with expl- uh, exploration of the open world, and coming across all these different things, and as each release you know has provided new content, it's made things at least fresh to a point, and definitely have added to the experience. But mm-hmm. I know you recall this, and I know our listeners recall this too. But after Minecraft really hit it so hard with people out there the number of games we saw coming out on steam and the number of games that we saw being listed on kickstarter and indiegogo were all these open world games that were like oh we're an open world procedurally generated crafting exploration game and you know most of the time it ended up being for some reason it had zombies in it for you know Whatever zombies reason it did. or you know some form of realism that was so unpleasant it it wasn't even fun yeah like i'm opening up my steam library here right now uh and i can tell you like one game in particular that kind of fits that bill is uh seven days to die which is honestly the exact same thing it's crafting it's um it's uh survival it's open mm-hmm. world it is procedurally generated i think to a point 
Um, but and then it's zombies, you know, they're, they're everywhere. Um, Valheim is the same way. Uh, Raft is the same way. Uh, Core Keeper that came out uh, several months ago is the same way. You know, uh, we've got Terraria. We've got, um, we've got, oh my God, why am I blanking on that? Stardew Valley. Sorry. I don't know why I was blanking yeah. on that. Um, but we've got all those different ones. Well, and any number of cl- clones of, you know, Stardew and Minecraft and Terraria that have sprouted up over the years. Cause th- those ones uh, being particularly stylized have, have sprouted God knows how many clones. Yeah, and it's just it's because of that success. It's like okay, how much can we actually continue to milk this type of game, or at least this this mm-hmm. combination of of functionalities, and put something out there to maybe take away some of the market share of Minecraft. And I think the only one that's really been successful, at least over the the time period, has been Terraria, um, because it did something different that Minecraft didn't. Is not necessarily the uh, you know, procedural generation it has that, and the open world side of it though too. But the different things that you can create, the different mobs that you come across though as well, the a mm-hmm. lot of emphasis on magic and sorcery, um, the fact that there's literally hell in there if you dig deep enough. You know, not like yeah. another Minecraft, but literally hell. It's it it, it, it has one different of aspects. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it it hit the right spots to be able to be one of those successful games, and. What I'm really concerned about for the future of open world games is the continued copying and pasting, the continued effort to provide these monotonous and, quite frankly, annoying missions to go clear an outpost, to go rescue these people in this area, to go uh, on a supply run here for some type for whatever reason. I know you want me to explore, like explore this open world devs, but... Oh my god, it can't be the same thing over and over again. We have to have some more uniqueness to it. Well, and I I, I think that that's one of the reasons that um it was um shoot, what's his name? Uh made such a big deal about Death Stranding coming out and it being Oh my you know, god. Yeah, the the way it was is you know, the the joke was, "Oh, it's just a walking simulator." Well, yeah because it's it's literally a game about fetch quests and it kind of actually makes fun of the whole um genre in and of itself because it's the worst parts of the genre to actually explore you know the best storytelling of the genre oh yeah and i mean out of the open world games that have come out that have also been you know successful and i know that when i say these games you're definitely going to be like you know Okay, I get it. It's like they were made specifically for that, like for that rep. Uh, I can't even speak today for that repetitive purpose, though. Not only Death Stranding because that's how it was put out there, but Farming Simulator, Flight Simulator. Mm-hmm. Literally, Farming Simulator is an open world game where you can go and buy all the different tractors, you can buy the different vehicles, you can farm what you want. But that's the whole point of the game. And the same with uh, like with Flight Simulator. Uh, I know that uh, the previous version of flight simulator flight simulator x uh you could actually go and download mods for it and bring in different uh planes and such you know like there are people who would fly around in the space shuttle there are people who would import a uh the skin or livery for uh 
Air Force One, people who would import in fighter jets. So you wouldn't just have to fly like, you know, one of the Blue Angels F-18s, but you could fly around in F-16s. I think someone even modded in like F-22. You could fly in old fighters from like World War II through Vietnam and all that. You know, it's, but that's what the game is about though. And it's like with Farming Simulator, you literally know what you're getting into. It is, those are open Mm -hmm. world games, but they literally have, true actual focuses on them you're gonna have to farm you're gonna have to fly from point a to point b you know you could screw around in them if you want but it's like these are for this thing here and so that's why i wanted to make mention of those because i I was looking at my list and i'm like oh yeah those should probably be uh be name dropped here for now as well too oh yeah no you you can't really overlook the open world simulators even uh some of the ones where you're not even on the the world technically i mean you're in the sky <laughs> yeah and and i know this is a funny one to say that maybe doesn't deserve the criticism anyway but i know a lot of people who do give it the criticism and i am a former player of it is eve online oh yeah i mean you want to talk about open world i mean it's it's open world with spreadsheets but it's still open world nonetheless with the flying around and um the different things you have to do task wise but it's it's literally a open world space sim that has you contributing to a true like working economy where people compare the value of this to real world like dollars that you can actually make exchanges for for real world money if you you know you do the right things but yeah just like just like flight sim and farming sim that's kind of where eve fits into even with the battles and and the different ships you can get but that's that's kind of where it's like I'm just confused about where we're going with open world games, though, is that we don't get the... Co- I mean, granted, yes, there are simulator games out there that are just god-awful and won't live up to what Flight Simulator and Farming Sim are. Right. But, but there are still a lot out there that... And we still see it to this day, though, that just still follow that copy-paste moniker of of doing the same things over and over again. So let me ask you this, Kyle. What's it going to take for the industry to actually change and provide more of that uniqueness instead of just taking the same concept that we've seen for open world games and just putting a shiny new wrapper on it with, you know, different worlds or different environments and different time periods and people in that, you know, like what, what do you think it's going to take for the industry to really change open worlds from where they're at now? And that even includes the free to play experience with, basically just farming XP for the sake of farming XP and data mining people too. You know, I, I, I think if it's going to be a story driven open world game, they need to find a way to make the even more medial quests fit into the story to make it seem more relevant. Um, instead of just being so fetchy and redundant, um, if if there was more cohesion into the story and um i i think that that would be a major jump uh for starters um you know i i think maybe moving away from some of the realism is, is a better aspect that that some of the games need to look into um just because i i i think you once you've gone too far into it, it's like, well, you can do so much. What else do you need to give the player? Um, 
you, you've you've given them so much. If you don't it's basically give them turned direction, into a, what are what are you doing? It's basically turned into like a second job. Right, right. And so that's what I, I I don't know. It, it's almost like I guess they they need to give their games more purpose in the future. Um, for some of these open world games, uh, you look you look at a, a game like Raft and. It may seem like it doesn't have purpose, and while we've been playing it, and it's it's quite redundant at times when we're we're playing it, um, because of the tasks that you have to absolutely perform over and over again. But I mean, overall, we we've kind you you in in that one it it allows you to form your own goal. I I feel. Once you start getting the pace of the game, it allows you to form your own goal. That I think that's what the the goal of that game is, and it does it successfully. And you know, I I don't think enough games actually finish the game with their goal in sight. Still, like they start a game with with a single goal in sight, and by the by the time that you're you're done with the game. Um, or even when the when the creators are done making the game, they may have lo- lost sight of what what the actual game or goal of the open world game was, and that's why we we get so many repetitive quests to try and and push forward the game. I like that idea, especially because it it's the idea of do you want somebody to just hop into your game just to basically do a second job to basically come home yeah. from work and to like say they want to relax with games, but you get them into doing something that is effectively, you know, a second job. Um, do you want to give them so you know, much to do that they don't know what to do that it it becomes work? Exactly. Or do you want to provide more purpose in that instead of just like you said, uh, the abstract idea? Like, oh well, we are doing this, but the idea is so abs- abstract that it doesn't actually have a true endpoint for like or at least a true idea of what's going to happen next like okay you say this game is going to be an open world game with the ability to explore and we've got content coming down the line well what are you showing me at least in here that is going to start bridging to that next content like is there is it just the menial task still or is it the fact that you just haven't put enough effort into creating that next set of content that now we're just trying to have to piece things together as best we can. It doesn't, you're not giving me purpose just for the sake of trying to keep me around and guessing what could happen next. That right there itself is, man, that's a really good point. It's just, it needs purpose more than anything. Yeah. And the, the reduction of realism was a good idea too, because it, it makes sense to have some of that grounded in realism for some of those things, because obviously I'm not going to, like for me, I'm I'm a big guy. You know, I'm definitely out of shape now. You can thank the pandemic for that and, of course, my love of Taco Bell. But um, I don't see myself running down the street to the gas station to go get, um, you know, something down there and then sprinting back. Or at least, like, doing the continuous sprint that you see in these games, you know. So I do expect there to be some sort of hit to my ability to get from point A to point B being a real person, you know. Um, So some of that being grounded in realism, obviously, you know. Maybe it's there for that type of game, sure, but you are right, is maybe scaling back on some of it and really making sure we're not branching too far out of it, being a, a 
what should be an enjoyable experience, you know, into being something that is chores. Mm-hmm. Well, then. I mean, that's, that's I kind of that. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's really where we leave it with the open world game stuff is guys just stop copying and pasting and provide some true goals on stuff like some true yeah. like not, even if it's not end goals like give us some good like jumping points through plot or development or something yeah. instead of it just en- being enrich the player through your gameplay yes. and not through the length of the game yes yes that's that's fantastic enrich the player enrich the experience yes all right well that was a great way to finish that Kyle so with that said and with what Kyle of course said Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for this week's NPCs Discuss, where we talked about open-world games, fun at the expense of chores. If you are listening to us, of course, please make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to find out all the podcast platforms where are, guess what? I'm going to tell you a couple of them. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we're, we're like everywhere. But if you want to find all of them, go check us out on our homepage, anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast. You can either subscribe to us on Anchor, or you can find a podcast platform of your picking and subscribe to us on there helps us out a lot helps you a lot so when the episodes become available they immediately download to your device and you're off and ready to listen to us as you please of course with that follow us on social media twitter and facebook at the NPC podcast and of course follow us on youtube as we do a weekly news roundup every saturday at 8 p.m mountain time on our youtube page and go over that week's news with that thank you so much everybody for tuning in we will catch you all next week laters <laughs>